Peter. Media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. There's lots of communication issues that we're talking about right now uh, and more of the same now with Sharona Patel, the head of communications at the University of Advantage France. Sharona, good chatting to you on, on what is clearly a busy day for your university. Yes, thanks for having me. So we have welcome day today. We're expecting about 5,000 first years, their parents, mm. um, and it's a, really a celebratory day for many students who have never even got to it. So I'll be heading there after this. <laughs> all, all exciting. Do, do, slightly off the topic, yeah. do, do they... Do they, are they going to come in today saying, hold it, we're going to start protesting next week or not? Well, I'm hoping that we <laughs> won't have any disruptions going forward. Um, it's been pretty peaceful in the last sort of two, three weeks. We did have a day or two of disruptions, but uh, I think we're fairly on track now. We're hoping that we stay on track for the next few weeks. Um, I think the university's stance at this stage is to say, let's see how we can work with the students, let's see how we can help them. And as you may know, the students are about to make a huge announcement uh, early this morning. Mm -hmm. Some of it's already leaked to some of the Mm -hmm. TV channels and the Sunday papers. But we're looking forward to working with the students on that front. Okay, we'll see if we can talk about that just now. What what I'm interested in is your role as head of communications. What's the head of communications at a university actually do? And there's two aspects, in dull times and in (laughs) incredibly, you know, boisterous, exciting times, but also dangerous times, as has been the last few months, right? So it's a really fascinating job, and I think you can't pin it down. Uh, When when, when we signed up or when I joined them initially for about six months or so, um, they said nothing about the crisis communications or the reputation management. Mm, mm. Uh, But that's part of the job, I guess. Um, The components I really enjoy are those related to research and science communication. That's where you take complex, you know, stories, um, complex papers, and really translate it into things that normal people can understand, you and I. Um, That's the part that I enjoy most. But it entails everything from media relations, corporate communications, um, reputation management, internal communications, and the production. So, so, so in the normal, so leave yeah. aside the, f- yeah. the fees must fall because yeah. that just skews it. <laughs> in, in a normal week, in a normal year, in mm-hmm. fact, you, you need to communicate important information coming out yeah. of this, and it happens virtually every day, isn't it? Yeah, um, so we're fortunate because we have um, a really busy team with great stories. We've got great people, great academics and students. Uh, we never have um, too few stories to tell. And uh, as Douglas mentioned earlier, Douglas Kruger, he said, always tell the great stories that are happening there. Mm-hmm. We are never short of great stories. Um, so we do have the protests, we do have the negative side of things, but there are great stories to tell. And that's one of the reasons why I continue working there. I mean, I've been there about 12, 13 years now, and that's what keeps you there. You mm-hmm. wake up every morning and you don't know <laughs> which student, yeah, tell, yeah. you don't know which student you're going to meet, you don't know um, which staff member is going to come up with something that's going to change the world. Now, now, now quickly, ha- when is telling too many great stories too much? Well, it can get... Because, because obviously you would... Yeah. In, in your normal course of events, you would either tweet, you would put it on other social media, you would certainly email people like myself, I know that. When, when is it like, hold it, we're we, we saying too much here? Yeah, so it can get oversaturated, and I think you also become a victim of your own success. So the more stuff you get out, the more pressure you get from academic students, etc., to tell their story. And some are bigger than others. So if you take, and you're talking about Lieberg and his hormonal lady mm, bottles, mm, that's mm. a global campaign that consumes sort of three months of our time, you know. Um, versus somebody who's won a really important award, and it's important for that school. Um, so telling a story of a mathematician who's trying to find a new algorithm, and they've 
one step closer to finding it versus a new discovery of 12 hominins. I think there's... You, you need yeah, to understand the two different levels. Yeah. But it's also managing expectations of people within the university as such. Other universities have different problems. They don't have enough stories to tell. They need to go hunting for them. So I think I'd rather be on the fortunate side with, with lots more mm, to tell. Mm-hmm. The, the one commonality is that um, adverts... Uh, despite everything that we go through, despite the divisions and despite um, it being a place of contention, everyone there is really committed, I believe, to advancing the public good. And that's what makes the job worthwhile. Yeah. So, so how then did you get into this industry of broad you know, communications? Okay, well, I started off... Um, uh, at the voice radio station. Uh, in fact, we both did that, by the way. That's a long time ago. It's community radio, so there you are. That was great, because yeah. that, that almost um, lays the basis for uh, the values that you espouse, the values um, that mean something to you. So I think if I had to go from there to any a PR company... Were you, were you, sorry, were you, were you yes. studying communications at the time you were at The Voice, or did that come as a result of being exposed to The Voice? No, no I was always interested in studying okay. sort of media, media and communications. I was studying media at that time, um, uh, that was sort of part-time for about four or five years or so. At the same time, um, after studying, I joined a publishing house. And there I think I had one of the worst jobs of my life ever. And that was selling advertising space. Oh, okay. For a product that didn't exist. So it was uh, the creation of a parenting magazine uh, largely aimed at uh, black African mothers. There wasn't anything around. You would never see a black magazine um, uh, cover with a black African mother mm-hmm. or baby. At, at that time. At that yeah, time. Yeah. So, so we launched two consumer editions, uh, consumer magazines of that. But it was selling advertising space. And I was just out of sort of varsity that mm, and I was like mm, gosh mm. This, uh, I have to get out of this job <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, as it turns out the, the editorial team didn't work out so well so I ended up um, editing about two of those magazines and that, that turned out quite nicely um, unfortunately the, the company closed down I then moved to a PR agency called um, RK Corporate Communications at that time they're still around today so, so you were yeah. in marketing as in, as in PR Yes. Ma- marketing as in PR. Um, then I went into magazine publishing, editing, editorial, etc. And from there moved to a PR agency. The PR agency was great because uh, for the three, four years that I was there, they chucked me straight into the deep end and it was well, sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And I had everything from uh, major international clients to the Department of Health on the other side. And um, it was great because we worked in teams. And, and who, were the, who were those clients? Tell me. Well, it, it ranged from um, the World Health Organization. Okay, as, as a client. As Fantastic, a client. Yeah. The Rollback Malaria Campaign throughout Africa to the National Food Fortification Program, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So remember setting up meetings with them, going to the Nelson Mandela Foundation, uh, working with Melinda Gates at least, taking them to Soweto, exposing them to our countries. For a young PR person at that time, Fantastic. it was amazing. It was amazing exposure. I, I learned on the job for three or four years. So it was everything from top-end pharmaceuticals right through to um, selling major credit card brands. Um, unfortunately, things got a bit more so, sort of too commercialized on, on that side, and I really did not want to spend get up every morning to sell a credit card or, or work. That doesn't seem to bank. be your scene, okay? <laughs> not all at right. all. No, no. Mm. It's definitely the education, health, health side, um, the social, the social good side. Um, I was then invited. One of the training sessions that we did throughout Africa for the Carnegie Corporation um, involved training in South Africa, Western Africa, uh, parts of East Africa as well. Um, and after a stint of, I think, about three months traveling around the continent, um, I was offered a job at WITS by um, what was one of my clients at that time. They said, it's six-month contract post. It's easy. You can okay. just get in there. You talk to <laughs> students. And obviously, it didn't turn out like that. Yeah. So the, the first thing, the third day on the job, in fact, so, uh, following uh, Douglas's advice to tell yeah, the stories. Yeah, yeah. So on the third day on the job, um, 
the the media team, um, my boss, immediate boss, had gone on maternity leave, and I get a call from seven o two, and they're like, um, "We're downstairs. We're covering the hostage taking." What are you talking? What about? are you talking about? I, you know, I don't know anything yeah, about this. Yeah. Rushed downstairs, eventually found out there was uh, somebody. Obviously, he was mentally ill though at that time, and he was holding the dean of students hostage, and that was my first introduction to crisis communication. Wow. So I mean, yeah. you're head of communications now, but you're not head of communications then. So no. you just got, what were you doing um, in terms of the job description? Okay, at that time it was the senior. A media relations type of officer job, etc. But uh, things have evolved. I mean, since then. So since I worked in that post for about I don't know, three or four years or so, and then uh, applied for and was appointed as head of communications, we then did a, a major restructuring where we turned what was just a traditional media house where you would still cut out clippings and um, newspaper clippings every morning to something that's a lot more slick now. We're still one of the smallest teams university wide. Um, really? Yeah, in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we believe we should rather work harder and smarter and be more effective um, rather than have larger teams and um, in line with what, what Douglas and others were saying earlier it was saying uh, right now we're at a point of saying look we've, we need to communicate with everybody from 16 years old to 60 years old that's a major communication challenge that's true eh? yeah. Yeah, yeah. we've got stakeholders um, at different constituencies from alumni who graduated decades ago right through to uh, donors who you know want to donate to students today. We've got students who are pushing their own agenda, so I think it's very difficult to communicate with different groups from with different um, agendas as well. At some and, and do I take it, I mean, ultimately yeah. as your role uh, as head of communications, you deal with official speak. W- what I mean is there are p- individuals who have opinions about a whole range of things. Feasance for the course has come up now, uh, but, but your job is to just push out official speak in terms of announcements that represents the university as opposed to individuals, or have I got that wrong? Uh, that's correct, but um, it is a very difficult job to do that. Um, you are representing different constituencies. Um, you still need to protect the brand of the university, uh, despite the um, contentious and the differing views that people may have. We, we respect all of those views. So even with Fees Must Fall, I mean, I camped out on the streets with the students for the first two or three weeks, um, and it was understanding, it was getting into their shoes. Mm. And I think for me, this job is, is interesting because that's what it allows you to do. It allows you to see things from a different perspective, whether it's the Israeli-Palestinian debate, whether it's the Fees Must Fall movement, or whether it's um, somebody protesting um, against further section. So it just enables you to um, be exposed to a diverse... And, and your official position, just, just aside from Fees Must Fall, on all these divisive opinions, mm. where, where do you stand at Esbeth University? Well, as Wits University at the moment, in terms of Fees Must Fall, we're saying uh, we support the students in their quest for access to quality high education for those who can't afford it. We believe that those who can afford it should should pay their own way. But for those who can't afford it, we support the students in, in that stance. The question is, again, where do the resources come from? For this year, we're working with the students and the SRC that will make an announcement soon about looking for funds for the missing middle. Um, from next year, uh, many of our executive teams, our academics are working with the government to see uh, what a new model of funding for a format for higher education will be from 2017 onwards. Mm-hmm. And um, we just hope that uh, they speed it up so that <laughs> we don't sit with the same and, problem. And, and regarding this announcement yeah. today, I mean, what yeah. can you tell us? 
Um, well, I, I suppose it, it's broken already, but the SRC will be making an announcement that they will launch a major 10 million rand fundraising campaign, and that's really to raise funds for the missing middle, the students who are uh, too rich uh, to qualify for NISFAS and too poor to pay their own way. That, 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 that broad middle, which I think is almost underestimated here, and, and it's been driven by the SRC. That's right. It'll be driven by the SRC. Well, why not this university? Well, we're supporting them as far as we can, but we believe it's their voices. Um, they are certainly stronger um, than we are out there, they they know what they want it for. We we're definitely supporting them in their campaign, but it's being run and led by them. And I think that's one of the things we, uh, we always do as universities: let the students. Okay, run ten, 10 million rand, and we'll <laughs> you're all about that, I'm sure, later on today as well. Sharona Patel, with me, head of communications at uh, at Virtual University. By the way, if you wish to call in, that's absolutely great. With regard to how the university communicates and how Sharona herself communicates, you've probably seen in the last few months with the fees must fall uh, campaign or movement to a large degree. Sharona has been the person in the front line communicating Vitz's official position on many of the issues on radio, on TV and certainly in newspapers as well. So you spoke about so we spoke about Vitz in a dull week which is very exciting because lots of things happen at Vitz. So in a, in, in a crisis week and I would think the last few months has been crisis at Vitz, isn't it? Uh, and you in the past it's, it's been Adam uh, your vice chancellor specifically you know coming on the air talking about but I, I guess it's a logistical nightmare he can't do it all isn't it? Is, is that where you come in? Yes, absolutely right. So in the last uh, sort of three or four months, things have changed. In, under our previous executives, for example, only the executives were allowed to speak. I think there has been a change in recent months, in recent years. Yes, so Adam cannot be everywhere. Uh, we do have a stance as a university to do that. But you also need somebody on the ground who is out there who knows what's happening. It hasn't been possible for him to be on the ground every day. And so it doesn't help to sit in your office somewhere far away to comment on what's happening at the moment on the ground. And so I've been that person on the ground, um, supported by a very able team, I must say, a small team, but an able team. And uh, we just split the roles and, you know, uh, we, we, we get the message out. The most important part is being accessible. So throughout the Fismas Fall movement and the protest last year, it was important for me to be there every, be every day, to be on the ground, to interact with the students, to listen to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. um, they, they had uh, genuine issues. It was a genuine cause. And it was really understanding where they were coming from and what they were trying to achieve and responding to that. And uh, being accessible not just to the students but also to the media was one of the key components that, that we found out. Other universities just shut the gates and the media went large. So, so you as Vets took on yeah. the role. So was that a decision of the, the communications department or was that a decision of Vets University to say be accessible? In uh, no, we're always accessible. So media can come onto campus, and I mean, I'm, I'm hoping some journalists will actually, uh, you know, maybe call in and attest to that. But we're saying that it is a public space, and it's and we should keep it that way. Um, the university is a public university. We're here to advance the public good, and for that reason, it doesn't make any sense for us to shut out media or students who are protesting, for that matter. In recent weeks, we've had to um, close down at least Senate House for uh, I think it's about two or three weeks. There have been protests about that mm -hmm. and the securitization and militarization of the campus by some academics. And so students. How, how do you yeah. handle that? Well, well, you know, the same students yeah. that you're talking to that you sit within the trenches at times mm -hmm. are effectively sort of anti-establishment, anti-vits for barricading uh, Senate House. H how then do you respond to that negative attack against the university and probably to you as well? Okay, so there's, there's, uh, there are two groups that we're talking about here. So, I mean, last year, if you had asked me with the Fees Must Fall movement, um, oh, 
uh, at least from the first two, two and a half weeks or so, there was no violence, there was no intimidation, etc. Um, there was a movement, but it was peaceful. I think what we've seen since is that the Fees School movement has splintered significantly. What we have at the moment at WITS is a small group of um, individuals who are uh, protesting, sometimes in a violent manner, sometimes in a threatening manner, and I think we need to then balance the constitutional rights of people when we make a decision like to be closed down centers. Mm, mm, mm. That is the right of students and, and staff to, their safety and security is obviously the f- paramount. Then it's their right to learn and to work and balance that with the right to protest. And I think it's difficult, but once you've struck that balance, that's when you make these decisions. So we don't like having Senate House closed down. And in fact, um, we've started opening it up in the last two weeks or so. And we're saying, well, people have legitimate business, that's fine. But if you are actually going to occupy the place, disrupt registration and university activities, then we can't have you here. Mm -hmm. And that's the stance we've taken. Um, So I think there are definitely different groups that we're talking about in terms of what was feasance for, what the small groups are at the moment. Um, and with the SRC, we sign an agreement with them and we're working together with them. To okay. On, in, in terms of you know, what happens in the public space, how do you feel when you get interviewed like, well, well how many interviews have you done like say in the last couple of weeks per, per week um, or per day sometimes? Sure. I'd have, to, I'd have to count them up. It, it would be hundreds. Um, so every morning during Feasmas Fall, we'd had all the TV channels, all the radio stations. Mm-hmm. So I knew that from sort of, uh, they would start at quarter to five. So you'd start with the early morning. Quarter to five a.m. A. A. M. Yes, a. M. In the morning. Right, yes. And you'd start taking calls then from quarter to five to eight o'clock. From 8 to sort of 9.30, it was all the TV channels. Um, they would camp outside the Great Hall, whether something was happening or not. And in fact, that went on till last week. And eventually, last week, I asked <laughs> one of the journalists, but you've been here for the entire week. You've seen registration going smoothly. The whole of Pretoria is burning down. You know, why are you guys still here? And they said, well, two things. Number one, you are accessible. Number two, it's on the doorstep of most media of houses. Course, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, number three, you, you have a very active citizenry. So if anything happens, whether somebody's injured or hurt or an accident, no matter what, um, people will tweet about it immediately. So, so that's why they always there. And, and that, that's very important, yeah. too. How, how have you handled it personally? Yeah. You know, that is being, being fronted up as... In the main, the main spokesperson. Uh, it, it has been difficult, but w- what I've done is listen to all constituencies, listen to the students, listen to our academics, listen to the outsourced workers who we are now insourcing, listen to management, and then go out then answer answer the questions of of journalists, um, speak the truth, always tell the facts. So I think the basics of crisis communications, um, and that's what's what's seen us through this. I think from a communications perspective, it, it's it's. Um, at WITS, nothing stays uh, within closed doors or within closed rooms. Everything is open and transparent, even at a management and an executive level. And I appreciate that because that makes my job much easier. If something's wrong, you know, we had a protest on Wednesday. It was an art exhibition that turned into a protest. A fence was taken down. Fun. But let's go out there. Let's, let's get it. You're, you're always front up and say that we, we, we do. acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how difficult has it been, you know, again, facing up to, to media, radio, TV, talk shows, well, different aspects, print media, and, and you then having to, to be interviewed all the time. What, what's it been like for you? Uh, th- that hasn't been the difficult part, I think, because you know what's happening. You've got the answers. You build relationships with the journalists. Um, they're camping with you for three weeks, mm-hmm. aren't they? So I think you build the relationships and you build um, some sort of trust. Well, with all the groups. I mean, I can be interviewed uh, next to a student leader and we respect each other for our different positions. And um, I think it's building that trust that that makes it so important. The the one thing that has been annoying me, though, is when journalists get it wrong, not because 
It's just because they're too lazy to check the facts. So I'll give you two examples. So we had um, this week, we had a protest, maybe about 200 people or so, um, mostly outsource workers, a small group of students, a small group of, of academics supporting them. And um, the headlines, uh, one of the newspapers published a headline, Vits and TUT in chaos. And I was like, it was a 60-minute protest. Mm, mm, mm. We had given permission for the initial art activation. It was managed. There was no injury. There was no other damage to property. Why can we not just give those facts? And... Um, and then, and they didn't say anything about TUT in the article. So that was the okay. headline. And yeah. they didn't mention TUT. The, the second one was, uh, with staff, students, uh, uh, anti-militarization of campus. Mm. Um, and that was the protest they were talking about. And I said, well, look, there were at what, 10, 20 academics there? Um, with as a staff of 6,000, you know, yeah. why not wow. get the voice of the others? Um, so we're saying with staff students, technically it's correct, it's some staff, it's some students, but um, let's actually get the facts right, let's do our, do our homework. And I think it's it's easy for journalists to sit in their offices and write these articles. Some of them is from as far as Cape Town, um, based on what they see on Twitter. What, what's the response Twitter. then from your side? What, what do you then do? I, I mean, I give them a call, I give them a call and I say, look, this is, this is what happened, this is our perspective. And they say, well, you know, this is what the students say. And I'm like, no, no, that's great, but at least show the balance, show both sides, say this is what the students say this. And, and from Vitz's side they then took a quote from our vice chancellor from two weeks ago um, and, and they added that at the bottom and they're saying that's balancing the article. Yeah, and I'm wow. saying, you know, he was not even in the country this week. Could be How, country. Are you being stopped lots more often now in shopping centres like I stopped you last week? Um, yes, <laughs> I, I have. Um, it, it's not, I mean I, I've, I've done this job for the last few weeks mm. so, but from my side um, I've, I've got two other projects for this year that I'd rather be focusing on um, so the first one is moving obviously into the digital age and taking our professors with us into the digital age and our academics um, so that there's a meeting between our students and, and them so we're starting up our own little multimedia hub we're working with the Astri Foundation on setting up something there and it's really like we were saying earlier telling the stories of people rather than sending out press releases. So I've made two rules. Number one, PowerPoint is dead. Uh, as, well, per as, <laughs> as per Douglas. Okay, earlier. wow. And press releases are dead. So I don't want to see a press release again, unless it's for a major big, big announcement. Uh, I agree and, and replacing it by what? Um, it... Um, one-on-one -on -one contact, so personal contact, it doesn't make sense to flood something unless it's a major big story. So in a crisis, yes, maybe we can. But if it's a story um, about, you know, about a scientific discovery, there's four or five people we know who may be interested in that. Rather, speak to them, build the relationships with the journalists. Um, uh, we did something really good on climate change and water, our water experts. Um, we look at um, experts for the economy now. Let's be more responsive to what's happening um, in the world today rather than communicating something that has no relevance. Absolutely, to the good news. point. Well, I'm sure we're going to talk lots more about yeah. all those things. There's a comment saying Sharona is doing a great job Viva Women Power. So there you are, point made uh, for you, Sharona. Good chatting to you and maybe feel free, if, if PowerPoint is dead, uh, to possibly <laughs> retweet five big takeouts from the show. Yeah, and I'll certainly retweet it from a communications point of view. Sure. And thanks for the show. It's great. I, I was just telling um, one of you, uh, the guest was coming up next, that in South Africa we, there's actually a shortage of media shows. There's lots of email, online things, etc. But um, it's really just your show and one other that uh, that, that we can it. get that looks at media marketing communication. Well, maybe, great maybe lots that. more and your input <laughs> from a, a Vits University point of view is, is most welcome as well. Great. So Runa Patel, the Head of Communications at Vits, thanks for your time. And then get, get back now to your 5,000 students starting first year. All exciting in another week of maybe fees must fall. I don't know. We'll see about that.